Happy Friday, everybody. This is Nick, and I'm here with Vicky, and you are listening to the number one podcast that entertains the space between your ears. This episode is 323, and we're going to be talking about the history of It's a Small World. But before we start, we'd like to encourage you to check out our friends at WaltExpress.com for Disney deals, tips, tricks, and all things Disney. You're at the right place at the right time. You found the number one podcast that entertains the space between your ears. It's super califragilistic, I hope you enjoy the show. If you're like me, you're going to laugh a lot. We invite you to pull up a chair. Relax. And get ready to take a trip to the vacation kingdom of the world. So, grab your magic bands and your Mickey ears. Here we go. Because it's time for another episode of the Mousecapades Podcast. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem. So, Vicky, listeners, are you ready to get a song stuck in your head? Uh, what You know song? you are. I guarantee you'll be singing a certain one after the secret history of It's a Small World. The classic Disney ride could be considered a park icon. Did you know, Vicky, it originally debuted back in 1964 at the World's Fair before it made its way to Disneyland? I actually did know that, but... Did you really? I did know that, but only because I was researching. All right. So... <laughs> During the secret history, we'll talk about this and other fun details of It's a Small World. Robert Moses, a famous urban planner who was chiefly responsible for the layout of much of modern New York City, had come to DeWalt Disney in the early 1960s and asked him to design a children's village, something that Variety had deemed as a permanent Eastern Disneyland for the 1964-65 World's Fair to be held in Flushing, Queens. What he didn't know is that Wall had already begun talking about this with several potential sponsors to do something just like this. Namely, create something technologically innovative with an immersive story and unforgettable visuals at a World's Fair pavilion. It was a coincidence that sparked the famous attraction's beginnings. So we all know this ride is iconic, Vicky, and listeners for that song, It's a Small World, getting stuck in your head. For sure. A couple, you know, years ago when Colin and I took our trip together just by ourselves, I threw him on my shoulders. We literally sang that song. And I'm not even kidding. I'm not exaggerating. I know I often exaggerate every now and then. but Embellish? Yeah. We really did sing that song for probably, I mean, five, six, seven, like all day long, hours. And people that were around straight. you were like... Why are but they But like different this? versions of the song too, oh, okay. like different melodies, you know? So this original ride, Vicky and listeners, was supposed to have all the nation's national anthems as you went through the ride in the boat. So every with every land you would come to, you would hear the national anthem of that country. But Richard Sherman described that idea as a cacophony, which basically means that you'll have a lot of mashup of melodies that would be coming together. And it just wouldn't sound appealing to the, the listener or the guest, you know. So Richard Sherman was then tasked to do by Walt Disney himself was to write a universal song. 
And there was another man working on the project at the same time. And with Small World being a ride where you're pretty much going through a miniature-sized world, right? You're going through all the countries on a boat, and everything's at a smaller scale. You have a guy, Harriet Burns, who was working on the attraction. And he just nonchalantly like leaned over to the Sherman Brothers and kind of jokingly said, Hey, it's a small world after all. And what's crazy is that comment inspired the Sherman Brothers and the ride and, and initially you know had an impact on the ride because that became the main song for the ride and and we've seen that a lot with in a lot of things that happen somebody just says something when they're the Sherman brothers are writing a song that was one thing Kayla and I talked about was they picked up on things that people said and ran with it and those ideas are what helped make their song so great but Let's get back to the small world. Well, that's kind of like what we do in the classroom. You know, you, those jot thoughts. You put them down on paper. Yes. You put them down on sticky notes. You slap them up there. That's a whole bunch of ideas, you right. know, and then you start bouncing other ideas off those ideas and building upon them. Right. Exactly like that. So the timeline to create the ride was short, but Wald had to assign artists to this project quickly. Claude Coates designed the route for It's a Small World, and Mark Davis was an animator turned Imagineer, designed the attraction, and served as the art director. His wife, Alice Davis, made the costumes, it was a family event, made the costumes for the dozens of tiny, nearly identical dolls, and Raleigh Crump devised an amiable abstract 120 foot mobile structure called the Tower of the Four Winds, which would stand outside the pavilion and blow gracefully in the breeze, representing, in Walt's words, the boundless energy of youth. That's what he wanted the windmill to represent. And I'm making, actually, a sign for one of our listeners. And she's, well, not one of our listeners, but she's come on the show quite a bit. Chrissy. Chrissy asked me to make her small world sign. I'm going to make one for her. So I know exactly what you're talking about. So you're going to take a picture so we can all see. And that version at Disneyland is way better than what we have I know, you've always at said Disney that. World. It is it is immersive. It is ginormous, as uh, Will Ferrell would say. Now, after Walt rode the ride for the first time, he was amazed. I mean, he, he's even gone on the record as saying that the dolls were charmless. But he wanted more. He wanted more cultural flair to each doll. Because... A lot of the dolls were looking the same, and he didn't want the dolls to look the same. He wanted them to look distinct according to their culture. So he brought in a lady by the name of Mary Blair to rework the dolls and kind of bring uh, a stylistic cultural flair to them. At the same time, the individuals working on this ride had had to get Walt's blessing on the new boat system. There's an individual named Bob Gurr who designed the boat system, and Gurr worked closely with a company called Arrow, which was the same company that worked on the Matterhorn bobsleds as well and ultimately walt agreed to the plan because there was a tight deadline and financial restrictions for the ride itself when disney's corporate sponsor which was pepsi at the time first heard about the ride they were unimpressed so jim corcus said the wavering came to an end when joan crawford widowed widow of alfred Steele. which nick i don't know if you've ever seen mommy dearest but I did, had no idea she had anything to do with Small World till I was researching this. She stood up and told them, we are going to do this, even though the board did not agree with her. So given the time constraints, Crump and Davis gathered 30 artists and they started fashioning the characters for the Small World out of styrofoam and paper mache that were inspired by uh, Blair's little golden book illustrations in the work she had done on Saludos Amigos a film that directly came out of South American trip that she took with Walt. Inspiration for this ride was coming from literally everywhere, Vicky. Imagineer Yale, Gra- Imagineer Yale Gracie got the idea, you know, the ice skating penguins that are in the attraction itself? Yes. That, that actually came from a toy that was sitting on Walt's desk of an ice skater that would skate on a small mirror, and it had a little magnet mechanism underneath of it that would make the 
the ice skater turn and twirl and stuff. And so that idea, uh, or taking that concept, the idea for the ice skating penguins in a small world came right from a toy that was sitting on Walt's desk. And other interesting facts about the ride, Vicky, is when they filled up the water with koi fish, and then sometimes they'd fill it up with soap, and so they'd have like soapy suds in the water as well, just to give the water a, a, a different flair, a different flavor. Um, but before we get too ahead of ourselves, you know, after it was constructed in California, we all know that it was deconstructed and painstakingly disassembled and reconfigured in New York for the World's Fair as well. Yeah, so they had to take it apart and put it back together and take it apart again. Later, we'll find that out. So when describing the attraction on an episode of The Wonderful World of Color, Walt said, Here we enter the children's world of imagination, fun and laughter. During our voyage, we'll visit more than 100 lands. A truly unprecedented amount of footage was then played, showcasing each part of the attraction as Walt narrated it from country to country. And the doll-like characters happily bounced and sang and danced, just like he had wanted them to. Particular attention was given to the Tower of the Four Winds, the icon that we talked about earlier that was supposed to meet your friends underneath. He um, Earlier in the article, we said this. And I guess you could call it theater in the round, Blair said of the attraction, but it's really much more. The audience moves, the performers move, and everyone, especially the children, seem to have a grand time. The last point seems to have been unquestionably true. For our finale, children of every nation join in singing our theme together, Walt said. Um... The thing that Blair's talking about, I guess, is because the ride is going around in a circle. So that's why he's calling it around when it's not actually the song is not actually sung in a round. So I don't want people to misconstrue that in case music major here. Well, I mean, I just don't want them to construe that misconstrue that if you are a music person, um, he just meant it goes around in a circle. But we're visiting every country like Walt had uh, envisioned in his mind. So in New York at the World's Fair, you know, Walt, uh, for this ride, you're being charged for 60 cents for a kid and 95 cents for adults. Which is nothing now. Right. So a dollar to ride this ride. Now, also, this was the first time, and this was at the World's Fair, where when you exit the ride, you go into a gift shop, which is now a common theme in Disney all over the world. When you exit a ride, you filter through a gift shop in the hopes of buying more stuff. With that attraction, right? You're, it's the fun effect. You're, you're having a great time. You're going to buy something. So Walt, knowing this, uh, cunningly placed this in, at the World's Fair as well. So when guests would get off after paying at 60 cents for your kiddo and 95 cents for that adult, millions of uh, guests would, would get off these ri- with this ride, Small World, and then pass through a gift shop when they exited the attraction. Smart move on his part. Well, during the time that it was in uh, New York... It, there were four seasons and over two years it attracted over 10 million guests and because of its success then the ride was dismantled again so now it's not only been put together in California then taken apart and sent to New York and reassembled in New York now it's being taken apart and shipped back to Disneyland where it will become a permanent home in Fantasyland and if you look behind some of the show elements which I don't know that we can actually see that unless you're taking a tour of some kind there are shipping instructions still on the back of the ride that show how to piece the ride back together which I thought was pretty cool because even if you're just a cast member to see that, that would be awesome. It reopened at its new home in Disneyland in 1966. It was largely like the World's Fair ride except for that they expanded and enhanced it. The attraction was given a new facade that was designed and implemented by Crump and again channeling Blair's bold graphic stylization and the clock and the iconic hourly march of dolls was Walt's idea with characters that come out and entertain those that are waiting in line and it was Crump who suggested that actually gold be affixed to the outside of the building to make the maintenance easier. So once again, so now 
we have we know I know you weren't in on that because you weren't here with me and Kaylee. But now we know there's gold in Cinderella's castle and there's gold in Small World. So pretty cool. Interesting. At the wonderful grand opening, Walt invited 36 officials from various nations, Vicky, 800 journalists, and 16 children from around the world. What's really cool, Vicky, at this point, then Walt had uh, had water that was collected from seven different seas and the seven seas and nine major lagoons around the world. And they took the water and dumped it into the attraction's flume. During the ceremony, Walt also dumped water from Rivers America into the ride. And what he wanted to do there was it was he wanted to create a gesture to emphasize the attraction's spirit uh, of basically unity, you know, global unity, understanding, imagination, and peace. And I, and I, for one, think that that was a powerful statement, a message for everyone. Yeah, I I love that they did that because um, I think it just shows what he felt or what he wanted for Disney World and Disneyland to be a peaceful place. And so far, so good. And, at, and during that time, he had white doves that flew out. He had the children's choir of Long Beach uh, sing at this event. Right. So he had he had the seven sea the water from the seven seas, major lagoons. Uh, you had waters uh, from rivers of America. All this being dumped into the ride's flume with white doves being released and, and a choir. I mean, he really made this a very magical, grand event. Yeah, he wanted it to be to make this nation all together, like all the nations be connected. Does that make sense? Yeah. Kind of like later, I'm wondering now, now that I know this background, if uh, later on Coca-Cola did that commercial where everybody around the world was holding hands or whatever. I kind of, that's what I'm picturing with him trying to do this. Play some Michael Jackson. Didn't he play a song about Heal the World or something like that? Yeah, he did. But I was just, no, I'm trying to picture the one where everybody's holding hands drinking a coca-cola or whatever no i get it and i i'm wondering if they copied that idea from his from 1966 i mean he had great ideas of course and you looked up some facts some fun facts i do have some fun facts you have them listed why don't you why don't you list them off to our listeners so according to travelguide.com there is at least 240 audio animatronics on each version of it's a small world both in disneyland and in disney world and the centerpiece clock tower is 30 feet high and each version of the boat ride features this clock and marks every quarter hour with characters animated props and music. Now, I did notice at Disney World, um, I don't know when they've refurbished lately, but uh, one of the things like had a broken arm, like a bird had a feather missing. It's really, so the one at Disney World I know, um, you said is not as grand. It's not as grand. I'm sorry. If you went on Magic Kingdom's version before 2004, you might remember that a clown in a hot air balloon with a frown and a sign stating help via NewDisneylandNews.com that clown was changed to be seen carrying a sign, um, or carrying a balloon, sorry, and his hand and he was smiling now. And uh, I also think that was so Colin would want to buy a balloon for his special treat. (laughs) Every holiday season at Disneyland, It's a Small World has an overlay. This is Disneyland, not Disney World, people. They do an overlay featuring decorations, costumes, soundtracks, prop effects, and celebrating the holidays. And it usually starts on November 27th. Or that tradition started on November 27th, 1997. And then they do it every time that they get ready for Christmas. And um, I thought that was interesting, Nick. And I'm wondering why we don't do that at Disney World. Because we do decorate for Christmas. There are a lot of overlays that do not exist at Walt Disney World that do in Disneyland. I Just will because say, it's the original. They are the kings of overlays. And it's really cool. It's a pretty cool experience. You know, they, they do the Star Wars uh, overlay with okay. Space Mountain, you know, which is really neat. Yeah. Um, and that's just one example that comes to mind. But Disney World, I can't think of, and I know there probably has been in the past, but one thing I just know Disneyland does a great job of is overlays. Hmm. So we aren't the only ones who have to visit the boat. Oh, sorry. I know. I'm cutting you off. They also do a great overlay with the Haunted Mansion with Jack the Pumpkin King and they dress it up. Oh, yeah. You did tell me about that. Well, Disney World, they don't. At least 
I haven't my That's sad. Maybe we should petition. Out, when I've been out there, you know. I, well, I, I but it would have happened when you went for the Mickey's so. Not So Scary, don't right. you think? Yeah. So we're not the only ones that have to visit the boat ride every time we venture to Disneyland. According to guest research, one in four Disneyland guests consider it a tradition to ride It's a Small World. And I, I would say that's true for Disney World. I don't have the facts written out for me, but we ride it every time because it's Walt. We feel Walt when we ride it and it just makes it, I that's don't know, final for us. We rode it this past time. You know, I, Aaron actually said, I'm going to ride Small World. He always told me it was a tradition. That's her words see, out of her mouth. See, you're rubbing off on her. I know, right? I really am. So not so surprising is that the song It's a Small World is the most played and most translated song in music history. It plays around 1,200 times during a 16-hour operating day at a Disney park. Oh, my gosh. So That's the people insane. that were passing you and Colin were like, stop singing that song. I'm just kidding. That was, that's awesome. Listeners, be sure to join us again on Monday for some more listener questions. You never know. It may be a question that you have too. If you're interested in becoming a guest, have a comment or question, you simply want to be on our show, go ahead and text us at 407-674-0414 or email us, milescapadespodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to book your trip for that free quote, it's easy. Again, simply text us 407-674-0414 or email us via travel at mousecapadespodcast.net. Remember to check out our friends at waltexpress.com for all things Disney. And as always, we'd like to thank you for listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades Podcast. Well, Victor, I think it's about that time. Peace. And love. Have Have a magical magical day, day, my friends. Walt was working on a, a project for uh, the World's Fair, and they were creating this wonderful boat ride as a salute to the children of the world for UNICEF. And it was a great idea, and he was uh, using his audio-animatronic dolls to sing the various national anthems of the various countries as you went by in the boats. So you'd hear La Marseillaise when you passed France, and you'd hear the Dutch national anthem when you passed Holland. It was a total mess. It was a cacophony. You can imagine, you know, all this music happening at the same time in one big room. It was terrible. So Bob and I were the troubleshooters. We were like, we, we were brought in as a, a sort of a last hope to save this thing because they had a fortune developing in it and it was impossible. So Walt had us walk through this this uh, mock-up of what this ride was going to be, this boat ride, and it was terrible. And he stopped and he said, now, again, just like with the Tiki Room, he said, you fellas have to write me a song, a simple song that will explain that these children, all the children of the world are the same. We have the same problems. We learn have to learn to live together. But I need it right away. I need it yesterday. So get going. So we said, well, well, you want it like a folk song? He said, yes, I want a simple folk song. So we made it so simple that people either want to kiss us or kill us for having written it. <laughs> because they hear it and they can't get it out of their heads. It basically was a counterpoint. You know, the dum pa pum 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 goes against da da dum pum pum da da dum pum pum They fit. They're on the same chords. So it's they're a counterpoint. And... Uh, People don't sing it that way. They sing it straight ahead. And people say, I can't get it out of my head. I hate you. And, uh, of course, I always say thank you very much.
listening to the all-new Mousecapades podcast. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. If you have questions, comments, or would like to be a guest on the show, please visit our website. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. And have a magical day.